Hi, and welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. My name is Nikki Vo, and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association, and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Boat Princess podcast. I am at Fairline Yachts today in the UK and I am talking to Miles Norhouse, who is the head of marketing here. Welcome, Miles. Thank you. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Miles is, uh, has a great gift of the gab, so I know this is going to be a great one. He is in marketing. After all, it comes with the territory, right, Miles? No pressure then. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. No pressure. I'll do my best. <laughs> so, Miles, you told me on our factory talk, which was awesome, by the way, um, the history of Fairline, because it, it, it is a bit weird that Fairline are built in the, <laughs> in the middle of the country. So I think we need to explain that straight up. I, I think we definitely need to explain that because it is a bit weird to be building uh, seagoing boats in the middle of the UK. And, you know, if you... If you t- took a look at the map, you'd see we're about 100 miles from the nearest sort of bit of ocean, uh, which means that uh, we manufacture our boats here and everything has to leave by road uh, to do that 100-mile trip to the east coast of England. But how did it all start? So <clears throat> back in the mid-1960s, uh, the founder of our company, a guy called um, Jack Newington, he uh, built uh, a, a marina out of a disused uh, quarry in the market town of Oundle. As you do. As you do. He happened upon it. He was a very keen river boater as a hobby, and he was coming into retirement uh, after a, a successful career as a chicken farmer. Um, and he noticed this quarry uh, across a field from the river and uh, decided that it would make a great marina. And what a lovely retirement plan having his own marina on the side of the River Neen would be. So he bought the quarry. Uh, they cut a channel from the quarry to the river and flooded the uh, quarry. He put some pontoons in. He built a little chandlery store. And he started renting out the, the, the pontoons for berthing. Man, with so, vision. Yeah. Wow. So this is 1963. Yeah. So 63 through 66, um, he was also chartering riverboats for people to holiday on uh, and then he bought a mold tool and decided that he would have a go at building his own riverboat of course he did. Uh, 19 foot uh, mold tool and uh, employed some local guys to make this boat out of this newfangled material called uh, grp that's fiberglass, fiberglass. Uh, which at the time was new technology and uh, coming out of that mold tool was the first fairline it was a f- 
Fairline 19. Not very original, you know, in, in terms of the naming policy. It just happened to be 19 feet long. Uh, and, that, and that was late 1966. And, and uh, Jack used that Fairline 19 as his own personal boat and was stopped by other boaters asking where it came from, what a great looking boat, um, to which he would reply, well, I, I built it and would you like one? I, I'll, I'll make one for you. And that's really where uh, boat building in Oundle started. Oh. Now, what should have happened uh, is fast forward a couple of decades you know, 1980s come along, people are no longer really as focused on, on boating in the inland waterways of Britain. They wanted to go in, to the Mediterranean and keep their boat in somewhere where, where you can be guaranteed good weather, where you can explore a little further and a little faster. So boats started to grow in terms of size. Fairline followed that trend, started building larger boats. Um, and somebody at the time, I mean, obviously I was not even at school, uh, I hadn't not, 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 not even a, a glint in my parents' eyes of at the course. time. Uh, but somebody in, in those 1980s should have actually had the foresight and say, you know, if boats are getting bigger, we need to move to the coast and yeah. should have sort of sort of up sticks and, and moved. That didn't happen clearly. Uh, so it is a bit of a, uh, we find ourselves in, in a bit of a restricted um, area in terms of we can build boats very, very competently. And we do between 30 feet and 80 feet. However, when you start to get above 80 feet in length, the proportion of height that the boat needs, so it doesn't look like a long canoe, um, precludes us from making it because we can't transport it to the coast. Of course. It has to go under road bridges. Yeah. And although the, uh, the truck trailers today have all got air suspension, and you can, the driver can stop and let the air out of the suspension to lower the trailer, giving himself another inch, two inches, uh, of headroom, um, you know, it, it's a the, five feet is not possible. Yeah, you're never you're never going to get yeah f five feet or more. <laughs> um, you know, and what are the alternatives? You know, sort of lift it up by helicopter and fly it over the bridge was oh, one was one suggestion I've I've been given. Um, as it is, our bigger boats take two days to make the journey from here uh, down to Ipswich. Uh, they have a police escort, uh, so outriders. And at one point... Oh, like chips. Yeah, just like you chips. You guys, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Poncherello and... What was the other guy's name? I, I don't forget. remember. Yeah, I, anyway. But we're, we're we, 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 we digress, now, and we? we're definitely showing our age. Um, <laughs> you know, one, one solution potentially is to, to helicopter the boat off the trailer, lift it over the bridge, and then put it back on the trailer. But it's not really very, very sensible. Uh, as it is, um, at one point, uh, one part of the journey... Um, the guy in the escort vehicle has to jump out, run ahead of the truck, and start removing street furniture. So uh, pedestrian railings and signage. No way. And flattening it down onto the pavement so the boat can pass through. And then he puts it all back and catches the boat up again. It's quite it's quite oh an involved operation. Goodness. And that's just for a 65 or 68-foot boat. Yeah. You know, imagine what it's like you know, for an 80-foot boat. Yeah. Uh, so that's our sort of limiting factor, yep. really. Um, yep. But what it does mean is it means that we can really focus all of our energies on being the absolute best we can be in that 30-foot to 80-foot market. And a lot of our competitors um, have really sort of moved away from the lower part of that segment of course there are many many brands around the world that can supply you a 25 30 35 40 foot boat yep. absolutely yep. Uh, but of the british builders yes we're really the only one that's in that space now um in a, in a serious way 
both of our UK competitors have um, gone much bigger yeah. um, with, with their sort of 80, 90, 100 foot vessels. Yes. Yeah. Because um, what, Sunseek is from 55 and Princess from 45. They do a 45 fly, from, that's right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you're from 33. Yeah. yeah. 33 with, with, you know, a plan that, you know, we could potentially go a little bit smaller yep. um, and really have an entry level uh, to bring new people into into the hobby, yep. um, as well as you know, a- adding boats in the, all of the segments up to up to AC, which is it, it is actually really I think it's really important for a boat brand to have an entry boat because we all know boat buyer boat buyers start from a twenty five foot well the the norm you know there's there's other boat buyers that do come in at the seventy eighty foot of course, because yeah. they've had a massive win with. Yep whatever their business has done and, and that's sure. brilliant right but the normal boat ownership plan if you like starts at 25 feet and then five years later it's 35 feet and then five years later it's 45 feet and so on and so forth yeah so it's actually um you know traditionally boat builders have done that they've gone from that entry level right up but as you say a lot of them are sort of translating into that okay let's start big and um, there are some European brands that are just starting at like 60, 70, 80 feet, and that's it. For sure, know? for sure. So, um, and it is it is cost-orientated, obviously, because it's quite hard um, to uh, for some brands to make the money out of the smaller boat. That's exactly what I was going to say to you, yeah. Nikki, there, is it's, it's really, really hard to make money on small boats yeah. um, because building a boat is so labour-intensive. And the market sets the price. Uh, you know, you can't charge twice the market uh, for the same. You know, for, for for a similar product in that size segment, and it's really, really hard to make money uh, on the small boats. Which is why you see, you know, European builders uh, and and the UK guys um, all coming in at 24, 25, 28 meters. Yes. Because there's good margin there. Yes. There's good margin for the for the selling dealer. There's good margin for the factory as the manufacturer. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have that luxury. We, we play the cards that we're dealt and we try and, you know, make these smaller boats uh, as, as quickly but as well as we possibly can in order to try and make margin. Yeah. But at least um, then you can then focus on that. You know, you, you, sure. you know you've you kind of look, lots of the other brands are going, oh, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. Maybe you're kind of going, well, this is what we do. This is what we do. And yeah. we do it really well. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. so in some ways um, it's it's kind of keeping you focused and building the best version of what you could possibly do, right? Absolutely. We don't we don't get diverted. You know, our design office doesn't get diverted by dreaming up, you know, the next 100-foot boat that's going to capture the market's heart and attention. Um, you know, it's just, uh, there's no point to it. Yeah. Our design office are taking our 45-foot boat, our 50-foot boat, uh, and making it the best it can possibly be in that sector against everything else that the world produces, whether that's from, you know, the Australian manufacturers, Riviera and Maritimo, right the way through to the US with Sea Ray, the French Benetton, you know, we're looking at all of that stuff all the time, seeing what we're competitive against and how do we put a British stamp on that yep. and make it here with our craftspeople here in Aundel. Yes, I like it. That's good. Talking of design people. Mm-hmm. Some of the brands um, design, use naval, naval architects outside yep. the brand. Yep. Some of them use in-house. Yep. Um, where do you fit in that? Where pattern? do we sit? Okay, mm. so we've, we've got a, a design office here. Um, it's currently about 30 people. 
doing everything from um, engineering design through concept to concept design to interior design. We don't touch naval architecture. We don't have that skill set in-house, so we do outsource that. Um, we primarily outsource that to J&J Design. Okay. They've been responsible for some of our best hulls, certainly in recent times. Um, and that's best hulls from in terms of volume, in terms of uh, handling and sea keeping. So we we absolutely are in love with J&J Design. <laughs> make, make no bones about that. Um, they're based where? They're in Slovakia. Okay. Or Slovenia. One or the other. One okay. of the S's in yes. Eastern Europe. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, so they're, they're a good scene that we call on and use a lot. Yes. In terms of our exterior design, we uh, were very fortunate to engage with an Italian a designer called Alberto Mancini yep. back in 2016. Yep. And he penned the current generation of Fairline. He styled and designed those from the exterior point of view for us. Um, that was really, really great. Yeah. He's now, unfortunately, he signed a really chunky contract with an Italian uh, boat oh. builder, which precludes him from playing with us anymore, yes. which is a shame. Yeah, um, that is a shame. But he, he's an absolute star. So, you know, things like our recent, you know, Targa 65, our Targa 45, uh, you know, that he, he's the guy that dreamt up those fantastic lines that those yeah. boats have. Um, but really everything else we, we do in-house, the next generations of Fairlines that you'll see coming through 2023 onwards, they're all done by our, our teams here upstairs. So that's where all the design element come from. What about the the culture of the client of the Fairline owner? Do you have a particular type of client that owns Fairlines? Because I know you would have a bunch of repeat clients. Yeah, we're we're a good brand for repeat custom. Um, it just you know, harking back to that sort of we call it the ladder that you were referring to earlier on. You know where you you come in at, at entry or, or or smaller end of the scale. And you know, every few years, you you find that you've got more friends or more family than you ever thought you actually had, uh, and you need a bigger boat in order to host and entertain them. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, what we see also is that um, people will move back down the ladder uh, as circumstances change. So, you know, kids are now grown up; they yep. don't need to, they don't want to come on holiday with the parents anymore. Oh. Uh, you know, don't need such a big boat, so you start to, to downsize. So, we've got a lot of that going on. Um, I think the it's impossible to draw you a pen portrait of a Fairline owner because they are so varied and so different from, you know, the buyer in, in Sydney or Perth to the buyer in Stockholm, you yeah. know, completely different uh, types. What they all have in common, I think, for their choice of Fairline is that they are slightly understated people. Okay. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. very wealthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they don't really like to show off. Uh, the boat is, yeah, it's it's uh, a source of pride and passion. Yeah. Um, and it does make a statement. Whether you like it or not, a boat makes a statement about you. But the Fairline buyer would prefer it if it didn't. <laughs> he would, you know, he or she would really prefer to be slightly under the radar. And the saying that I use quite a lot um, <clears throat> when talking on this subject is my typical Fairline owner uh prefers to um, enjoy their wealth rather than show their wealth. And I think that kind of encapsulates it really. Yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, they are um, they're beautiful, 
but they're not flashy. Yeah, they're not flashy. You know, yeah. if you, uh, you know, if you won the lottery tomorrow, um, I wouldn't expect to see you knocking on my door to buy a boat. Mm. You know, I'd expect you to buy a boat, but it, it wouldn't be a fair line. Mm. Interesting challenge for you. There, there are other, you know, there are other brands that are more suitable. winners come to Fairline and, <laughs> and challenge Miles on that one. <laughs> no, I just think, I just think in, in, in the global market, there are brands that are better suited to um, that kind of new money. Yes. Uh, that look at me, I've, uh, you know, I, I've got it. Yes. Um, and there are other brands that, you know, I won't name, but, yeah. but, but um, are definitely more appropriate to that kind of um, person. Yeah. So that sounded terribly snobbish. I, I didn't mean to. <laughs> It's the Brit. It's, it's the Brit coming out. In I me. know, darling. The it's palm. The Brit coming out, isn't it? Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> but you did a, an amazing event because um, you had your fifty-year celebration. Oh man! In two thousand seventeen, didn't you? Can you tell us about that? I will. Yeah, it was, it was one of the highlights of my time of, with Fairline so far. Actually, um, so, so two thousand seventeen, fifty years old as a brand. What on earth do you do to celebrate that golden anniversary? And we decided that. Uh, we'd have a big customer party. Well, that's easy enough to organize. You know, you put an invitation out to the world and people fly in and they have a party. Let's take it to the next level. Let's see how many fair lines we can bring together in one place. Now, Mallorca, uh, just off the, the, the Spanish coast, is a mecca for boating uh, and actually is a mecca for, for fair lines. You know, we've, we've got probably more fair lines in Mallorca than anywhere else in the world. So we put an invitation out to all those owners uh, in and around uh, that part of the Mediterranean to join us uh, for a celebration. And we sent them coordinates, hoping that most of them would be able to you know, know what to do with coordinates. Um, <laughs> we, sent them, we sent them coordinates. We told them you know, 4 p.m. on, the, I think it was the 17th or the 11th of June of, 19, uh, of 2017. So we sent this invitation, you know, be here with your boat. Yep. And, you know, people turned up. Oh, it was that. unbelievable. Yeah. So um, we had the helicopter with the photographer in it and we had 50 fairlines <gasps> all converge on this one point. Uh, and we we managed to get them into a, a, a V formation, yep. uh, which was quite a feat in itself. And they managed to hold the V formation for about 20 seconds. Well done, guys. I'm impressed which, with you. Which was long enough for the photographer to take the, the, the photographs and the videographer to get the footage uh, as well. So, you know, I've got a great selection of images from, from that day. It had never been done before. I've not seen any other brand pull something off like that, you yeah. know, 50 of their products all in one place at the same time. Yes. And then we, we all went to uh, the marina where we were all moored uh, stern to around the quayside where we had a big barbecue and a band and a bar and we just had the most fantastic party on the Saturday night. Every everybody stayed on their boats. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we just partied all night. It was great. Oh, brilliant! And there's a, there's a certain there's a certain pride in a British built product. I think. Um, oh. You know, do you remember that Top Gear episode when they brought out all of the British things that were built in Britain? Right. Ranged from tractors to lotuses to do you remember that? And they drove them up the mountain. They drove them up yeah. the mountain. It was yeah. an amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing episode of Top Top Gear. You and I are big Top Gear fans. So um I remember I've lived in Australia for 32 years, 
And even I, I still had the tear in my eye of, oh, oh, I'm so proud of everything that's built in Britain. And Fairline is one of those. And so when you bring together 50 owners like that, it must be a very special moment. It was great. And it it was Fairline, literally Fairline's through the ages. Um, And, you know, we've, we've, had a lot of models in 50 years as you as you'd imagine and it was great seeing those models you know from the 1980s 90s 2000s right through right the way through to you know brand new boats of of at the time 2017 ah amazing yeah really cool really cool and a lovely bunch of people yes (laughs) yes who know how to party i love that so i know doing that event you produced a very, very special document to go with that whole celebration of the 50 years as well. Can you tell me a little bit about yes. that, Miles? Yeah, of course. Our, our golden anniversary year. So, you know, it's a big event, 50 years old. And I really wanted something to commemorate that over and above just having a great party. So um, I knew I wanted a book. Uh, I knew I wanted a coffee table book that could be kept and cherished, that would tell the story of the brand. Uh, and the 50 years of the brand. But I didn't want that really boring chronological order of in 1967, we did this. And in 1972, we did this. And, in that voice yeah, as well. In that voice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I sought out as many people as I could find through contacts and people that still work here and all that sort of stuff of people that had an involvement in the brand, yep. whether they you know, were one of the first employees, you know, whether they were a, 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 custom, a serial Fairline owner, customer whether they were a long-standing dealer, whether, you know, whoever it was. And um, I set a journalist off to interview all of these people (gasps) to get their take on their interaction with the brand and what it meant to them and, you know, what happened and all of that sort of stuff. I love that. So I ended up with, you know, a ton of really, really great stories as well as a ton of really great imagery. And we put that together in a coffee table book which effectively tells the story of 50 years of the brand, but doesn't do it in a staid, hackneyed, you know, chronological kind of way. Um, the special thing about the book, I think, really was, uh, and I hold the artwork files, nobody else, it's only me, and, and they'll go to my grave with me, I think. <laughs> but I printed 2,500 copies of this book and individually numbered each one. Yeah. Uh, there will only ever be those 2,500 copies of that book in existence. And I really wanted that to be an important part of this celebration where if you are presented with a copy of this book by, you know, your dealer or one of us guys at the factory, you know, it it resonates. It's something special and Mm -hmm. something to be cherished. Um, And I'm down to my last few copies now. But that said, I think it's very important, Nikki, that, that you take this back to Australia and it sits on your coffee table in Sydney. So with my compliments, there you go. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. It's for me. My pleasure. Yeah, it's for you. That's for me. You read it on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) I can read it on the plane. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm excited about that. Cool. That's really cool. Thank you so much. I shall treasure that. Good. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because um, as you know, I'm boat obsessed. So having a coffee table all about, you know, and, and the stories behind the people of a brand are always fascinating. Yeah. You know? It is fascinating and amusing. You know, I tried to get some humour in there as well um, by by nominating certain people I knew that have got a great sense of humour and some great stories to tell. So, you know, making sure that those stories got told yeah. as well. So, yeah, it's cool. And, yeah. it, and it gave me licence to print some really outstanding photography 
that might not have seen the light of day. You know, there's a great shot in there, for example, that we took in Istanbul in 2000. And I think I want to say 2010 of a Targa 50 that, um, with the models standing in the cockpit. And the reason that photograph special is the sky is black. It's pouring with rain. I mean, you can see the raindrops bouncing off the top of the Bosphorus. Yep. And it's the most amazing photograph, which you'd never publish in a brochure or on your website or in an ad because yes. it doesn't say, this is boating and I want to be there. Yes. You know. <laughs> but this book gave me license to get stuff like that out of the archive and actually publish it, which oh, is really amazing. cool. Amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. Thank you. So talking about the people behind the brand, yeah. let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get in? I know you have a bit of a car background in your career, but how did you get into this boating industry? Okay, so uh, I've been in advertising and marketing all of my career, uh, primarily because you don't really need any formal qualifications to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I kind of so got you in. Were, you weren't that's, a uni guy. I definitely wasn't. Okay. I wasn't really a school guy, to be <laughs> honest. Enough. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> um, so they're listening to this, boys. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've been I've been an advertising and marketing guy all of my career, and uh, before coming to Marine, uh, uh, sorry, I was always in automotive, in and around automotive, which is a passion. Oh my of mine. god, there's there's a boat going past us as boat we going speak, going past the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're sitting in an office, right? <laughs> And, and and this boat <laughs> literally wheeling past us. It's absolutely spectacular because I've got glass doors and I'm looking at this boat <laughs> going past us. That is just so it's cool. A, the it's time a squadron is impeccable. 50. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a squadron 50. Squadron just 50 just wheeling past, past us. Passing the office window. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, what a moment. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, the, the shadow's passed now. Uh, so we were talking about... We were talking about me. Yes, Come on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's get back to you, Miles. Let's get straight back to it. So, so, so I was an automotive guy um, with a real passion for automotive. and Which you still I, have, of course. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. Yes, of course. And I, I was doing a sort of long... I stayed at Mercedes-Benz in the UK for a long time. And uh, I got a phone call out of the blue from a headhunter. For this firm that I had no knowledge, recognition of at all, called Fairline. Because I had no need, no reason to know of the brand. They said, look, they're looking for a, um, a, a senior marketing guy, you know, with some luxury experience. Um, would you go and talk to them? I said, no. Um, no, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm a car guy, not yeah. a boat guy. Yeah. And they were, said, well, you know, can, can we come and see you? Can we, you know, present and, and, and have a chat about it? And I said, well, yeah, I'm... I'm working at one of our facilities in uh, in Weybridge uh, at the end of the week. You know, I can give you an hour um, over a coffee. Come and see me, which we did. And by the end of that hour, I was thinking, crikey, this this sounds like it could be quite an opportunity. So I kind of progressed through the process as you do. And the overarching kind of drive for me was, apart from the money, <laughs> was, okay, so I've I've spent the last decade visiting Mercedes-Benz dealers for meetings, invariably on some grotty industrial estate on the outskirts of Slough. I'd had a 10-year career at Mercedes-Benz where you know, most uh, weeks I'd be visiting a dealer, invariably on some grotty industrial estate on the outskirts of Slough, uh, talking about Slough. allocation. That's such a great <laughs> name, isn't it? Talking about, you know, look it up, Google it. 
<laughs> you'll you'll see what I mean. Uh, you know, t- talking about allocations and sales and marketing and prospects and all of that sort of stuff. And here I am now involved in a conversation to go and work in the leisure marine industry for one of the top three brands in the UK. Um, and I'm thinking, hang on, I'm pretty sure boat dealers aren't located on the, a grotty industrial estate on the outskirts of a grotty town. You know, sure, surely these boat dealers are in, you know, Sydney <laughs> Harbour and, you know, Miami. Exactly. Uh, and, and they are. Yes. I, I was sold. I mean, put that on top of the fact that, you know, photo shoots for cars are pretty formulaic. You're invariably in a studio, the car's on a turntable, there's a whole raft of people lighting it and there's a photographer shooting it. Not very interesting. Yeah. And as a client, you kind of have to oversee it. You have to be there. Quite boring days. Boats. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, south of France, you know, Balearic Islands. I did a great shoot in Sydney Harbour. You know, yes. I've got th- three that my dealer down there, the guys at One Brokerage, absolutely fantastic dealership, by they the way. Great operation. Are. Great guys. Um, they pulled together three matching fair lines for me. Oh, God, love them. Uh, when was this? This must have been... 2018 I think so of course I took the opportunity to go to Sydney for 10 days and um, photograph these three boats together in Sydney Harbour we got some great imagery from that so again you know, just another reason for thinking actually this leisure marine malarkey that might be quite good fun and guess what it he's, is he's still here. <laughs> I'm still having fun yeah and I know you had a really really fun moment in your career with Fairline didn't you Oh, is this the little trip that I yes, spoke to you about earlier? Yes, I think you should share that one. Oh, this was this is never to be repeated, I think. So <laughs> oh, is anyone listening? <laughs> so um we we had a brand new model, 2011, this is. And the way that the sequencing of production finished or worked uh, meant that that new boat uh, was going to be sat around for about four months before it could be shown as its first international boat show for its world debut, which happened to be the Cannes Boat Show in September. Such a waste of time, just sitting around. Well, it was, it was sitting, you know, we've just seen a boat pass the window here. It was sitting on a cradle, literally in the car park, under a cover. And I would come to work every day and I'd look at this thing. And I think, what a wasted opportunity. You know, we need to photograph it. We need to get people to see it. We need to get people on board it uh, in order to really start selling them properly. So I hatched this little plan and I went to the, to the board and um, I told them my idea, which I thought would not have a cat in hell's chance of ever seeing the light of day. <laughs> and to my utter surprise, they all nodded and agreed and told me to get on with it. Oh, win. So the plan was we take this, it was a um, Targa 58 GT. <gasps> it's a, nice. You know, it's a good, I don't know, at the time, probably a million and a half pounds worth of boat. I mean, yeah. an, an expensive boat, nice. a big expensive boat. And it had some real great features on it. Big, big windows on the side that would power down. Oh, I uh, love those. I think the patio door went down into the engine room as well, if I remember correctly. The master cabin was forward and had this beautiful Japanese style sliding yes. door. Yes. And the, 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 I know it well. The bathroom ahead of that. I mean, it was a it was a shower yeah. for, for you and four friends. Easily. Yes, it was. Yeah, fantastic. It, it's, uh, you know what? That, mar- <laughs> that particular master and ensuite design in that particular boat... I think that's the best master ensuite I've ever seen it's, on a boat. It's incredible. It's yeah. it's a brilliant it's really design. Yeah. So my 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 view was of that size. I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. My view was that 
you know, it's no good this boat sitting in the yard under a tarpaulin. We need to show people what it's got because it's got such great features on it. So I pitched the idea of taking the boat down to the Mediterranean. Of course you did. And the idea was that we should take the boat into all the boating hotspots in the summer period. So your audience are clearly current boat owners, all brands, currently on holiday, i.e. great frame of mind. And here we are in a stunning new boat with a great exterior. And the idea was that we would just have champagne flowing all day. We would go to the bay where we would push in front line, drop the hook, and then we'd send the tender off with a couple of people in it to all the boats of similar size mm. and, and say, hey, guys, have you seen this new Fairline? Do you want to come and have a look? You know, And we had people swimming over. We had people bringing their own tenders over. We were giving people lifts in our tender. And so all day we were just, you know, it was like a boat show with a single boat, but in an environment where people were already boating. And then we'd um, hook up with the dealer in that territory who would <clears throat> with with advance warning who would then have invited all of his clients to come and see the boat we'd roll out the red carpet we'd have a party on the quayside with the boat absolutely fantastic it worked wonders i've got to say not cheap no. because i was speeding around in this boat all summer you putting Thousands. delivery moment right there oh man i was putting yeah. thousands of pounds worth of fuel in it um <laughs> and the and, and the champagne bill was legendary uh <laughs> but it was probably the best eight weeks of my life <laughs> I can imagine. and look any brands out there that you know they need the broke princess to do a, a similar sort of thing i'm here for you just just contact me i'll be happy to do that for you anytime <laughs> As I say, I don't, I don't think it's to be repeated from uh, by me, unfortunately. <laughs> Life moves on. But, but you know, that is actually a really interesting concept because at boat shows we get to see boats Static. stationary. Yeah. Right? If you go for a test run on a boat, you have to be a very serious level of buyer. Sure. For a boat brand to actually take you out for a run. Sure. So, but... As a boat buyer, you need to know what the slap is. You need to know what the ride is like. You need to know what the take-up is like, how quickly she goes to plane if she's a planing boat. All of those things. Yep. So what that, doing that, gave you the opportunity to show everybody, even from a viewing it from a distance, yeah, or, this or, is what she looks like, this is what her, her wake is, you know, all yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, putting 10 people on board, you know, after lunch and going for a whiz around the block. Yeah. You know, so yeah. to actually experience all yeah. of that sort of stuff, because, you know, we can talk till we're blue in the face about, you know, Fairline has superior sea keeping to other brands. And we truly think it does. Yeah. But until you've experienced it, yep. it's just words. So you really need to experience it. Yeah. And we did. I mean, we as the Boat Princess did a an event in the beginning of May, mm-hmm. which was together with our good friends from um, Boating Syndication Australia and also um, Club Nautical and we all came together as a, a, a group and put together this event where the girls paid a ticketed price to go out on a 90-foot boat yep. and um, just be out drinking, eating, chatting, networking and enjoying the whole process of being on a big boat. Yeah. 
They loved it. You can imagine. Oh, yeah. And for, for BSA, that their brand of boats is Long Reef. So they, that brand got a moment where everybody got to experience what it's like moving around and, and what it's like experience. What, what, you know, what and, and using the boat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you how, know, how practical how is it? How practical is it? Yeah. Does it work? Does, yeah. does, does this, and, you know, in, and in that experience, when you've taken it out on the med and so on and so forth, you get to see how easy is it to get the tender off? And how easy is it to put the anchor down? Yep. All those sorts of or things. Or more importantly, get the anchor back up. <laughs> true enough. True enough. So, yeah, I, I wonder if we need to do a little bit more of that, you know. Yeah. The thing that inhibits it is the expense of it. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, a, a boat manufacturer, you know, we don't have the luxury of building boats for ourselves. We're building boats for customers, whether they are the dealer buying for inventory or whether it's an end user customer buying it for himself. You yeah. know, we don't have the luxury of having a, a, a marina full of uh, boats that we can just pick and choose from. Oh, I uh, can help you with that. <laughs> I've, I've got a marina. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the stars have to align yes. to, to enable any of the brands to kind yes. of undertake that kind of activity. Yeah. Um, and invariably what you need is you need a, uh, a very easy, um, uh, on-site client, yeah. boat owner, yeah. who's more than happy to loan you his new boat for you know marketing, PR, event yeah. purposes. Yeah. Uh, that's not every customer, no, uh, by any stretch. No. Um, you do get them, of yes. course, you know, um, yeah. and we're very thankful that they they are around and do help us. So. Yeah, yeah. And talking of cost, um, I find it does sort of um, when you walk around a boat factory. And you see the number of people that are working here. How many have you got, got here, roughly? We're about 450 at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, the number of craftsmen you've got there working on the boats, it's a very labour-intensive business. But also, I've noticed, seeing all of the manufacturers that I've seen in the UK in the past few days, yeah. is the logistics you've all got in terms of trucking things from place to place which obviously is a big cost mm -hmm. some of them even have their own trucks and vans and blah 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 um and then the, the the just the sheer magnitude of the sites that you have to have yeah to do boat building i think it's um if i can recommend to to owners out there um i think if you really want to understand where the cost of building a boat comes from just visit one of the factories. But visit a factory and come uh, and have a look. Because yeah. they, they, you suddenly see, oh, okay, this is why it's costing me so much money. Because there is so much involved in, in building a boat and in getting it from A to B and getting its parts from A to B. And Absolutely. Um, you know, if I, I hark back to my automotive days. You know, if I needed to do a press event for a, you know, new car, um, I would order the cars from the factory a year in advance. I'd order them in the colours that I wanted and the quantity that I wanted. And on the allotted day, 10 of these cars, uh, a year later, 10 of these cars would arrive yep. on a transporter. And then I could transport them off to the venue that I was holding the press event, for example. Um, and it was that easy, you know, 1,500 quid for a car transporter to take them to, from point A to point B, thanks very much. 
you know, boats is a different world, yeah. <laughs> a different exactly. world. You know, moving these things either by road or even by water is hugely labor intensive, hugely costly. Um, and it's really not something that you want to do if you don't have to. Uh, that's, the, that's the sort of first piece of the, the jigsaw that makes it uh, very different. The second piece is the complexity of the build. Uh, we, as I said, we're about 450 people all in. Yep. And we've got some, you know, the majority are clearly boat builders in that in that mix. We've got second, third generation boat builders here because we've been in Aundel for so long. Amazing. In fact, one of the one of the guys in our design office, he's uh, one of our designers, clearly. <laughs> oh, so. what, should I start that again? One, <laughs> one of the guys in our design office um, is the eighth member of his family that has worked or does work for Fairline. Eight goodness. members of the same family. That's amazing. His father, his uncle, his you know several cousins, you know locally based family, and you know all all coming to Fairline at one point or another. Good idea. So you've had, you've got an incredible history then, haven't you? Of of some amazing people working here for a long time, but that obviously gives you a, a fantastic base for the future. So, what do we feel? Well, you can tell me. What is the future of <laughs> What's Fairline? What's the future of Fairline? Yeah. Ooh. There's a question. Um, what's really important in this market is new product. Yeah. Uh, your typical boat buyer of any brand isn't particularly interested in buying the boat that was designed and launched five years ago or more. Yeah. They want the boat that's being designed today to launch next season. And that's the boat they want. So hence all of us, uh, have a, a aggressive new product development uh, underway. Um, and that's always been the case, certainly over the last five years has been the case. Uh, COVID over the last couple of years um, has given us certainly the opportunity to be very strategic in our thinking about new product. And we've done a couple of updates to existing boats um, this year. Uh, next year, we have two brand new boats and I mean brand new from the ground up coming to market uh, next year. And then we've got a continuation um, through 2024 to 2027 of uh, new model introductions, which we've got mapped out and planned. So we've been very strategic in our thinking for that um, because, you know, I don't want to talk anybody into a recession, even though the UK media for the last couple of months have been ramming home recession coming messaging I don't know where they do that. Oh, it's crazy, it isn't it? almost causes it. Yeah, it, it's exactly what happens. Yeah. It's exactly what yeah. happens. Um, you know, we, in, I, I don't know what it's like in media in Australia, but, you know, in the UK, exactly we, the we, we're all getting talked into this doom, gloom, cost yeah. of living, and, um, you know, we're heading for recession, inflation yeah. at massive, you know, stop. Let's yes. talk about good stuff. Let's, Let's not talk ourselves stuff. into the next recession, no, for goodness sakes. Exactly right. But should that happen, we know from experience, 2008 being a great, you know, a great example of that. We know from experience that the ones that survive and come out stronger are the ones that have got new product to offer the buyer. Correct. Because there are still boat buyers in the market, even in the worst of financial times. But as I said earlier, they're not interested in yesterday's product. They want tomorrow's product. So we've really geared ourselves up in terms of our new product development plan to ensure that we're at the forefront of that. We've got tomorrow's product coming today. That's our strategy there. So give me some specifics on that. 
Uh, next year, I can't. I can't give you too much away. Oh come on! <laughs> um, you heard it here, folks. I, I, I can. I, I can. T- I can talk about a couple. <laughs> I can talk about a couple of boats that are, are coming because um, they're already kind of in the public domain. Yep. Um, and more importantly, my my dealer network around the world already know about them. Yay! Uh, what I can't have is is my dealer network learning about new product from a podcast in oh, Australia. Oh, honestly. Really? Oh really? <laughs> oh, we're um, not just in Australia, darling. We're all over the world. all over the world. Well, let's talk, let's talk about what's coming uh, imminently. So in September at the Cannes Yachting Festival, 6th of September, we'll unveil the new Phantom 65. It's our first sport bridge model. So it has a small flybridge on top of uh, the uh, underpinnings of our very successful Targa 65. Oh, those flybridges where you feel like you're sitting on in a car on top of a boat. <laughs> yes. Those ones. Yeah. They're yeah. so cool. You know, you've, you'll you have a small bar unit up there. You can obviously drive from up there. There's a little bit of seating and you'll be able to convert the table to give you a sunbed up there. But that's it. It's yeah. not a flybridge in the true sense of the word. Uh, hence, we call it a sport bridge. Uh, so that's September. That'll be followed Q1 next year by a brand new uh, Squadron 58. Ooh, nice. Exciting boat. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the first for us with uh, drop-down side balconies. Oh, yay. I love those. Yeah. Uh, we've not done those before, which is good. Uh, we've got a very clever arrangement with the bathing platform uh, on the back of the boat, uh, which will extend the usable surface area of the bathing platform. Um, we've put mo- putting modular seating into the cockpit so that you can actually switch your seating around to... You know, look out at sea rather than look into the living oh, space. Cool. Uh, I don't know why not many people have done that before. You know, when you're at home yeah. and you're on your garden furniture, you're not staring through your patio door at your lounge room. It's <laughs> a good point. You're the other way around, looking down the garden. So why is that? <laughs> you know, why should that be any different on a boat? So uh, we we bring that uh, bring that to market Q1, uh, and then uh, for September we've got a launch at the. Uh, more entry level uh, end of Fairline. Ooh. He says, Ooh. searching for the right words to be non specific and not give too much away. <laughs> oh, something's happening, folks. Something's happening. I love it. That's pretty much all I can say on that. I'm sorry. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, oh, there sorry, is there is. Sorry, sorry Nikki. That, sorry. Yeah. There is one more which you'll be interested in, which is the spiritual successor to the Targa 58 GT. Oh. It'll be a Targa 55 GT. Oh, yep. okay. Is it still going to have that amazing master suite with the ensuite at the front? No, I think it'll probably be mid master on this one. <gasps> okay. Mid master, but it'll be a GT with a garage. Oh, oh, which, now I'm excited. Well, we've had real success at the 45 foot. Yeah. Uh, with, our, with our 45 foot GT, which offers you the enclosed main deck, so patio door and large sunroof, but also has the garage. Yeah. And, it, and it's, yeah, pe- people can't get enough of it. So, okay, we're doing well on 45. Let's do the same on a, on a 55. Oh, brilliant. Because I, I, do, I do find it strange that so many brands don't have a tender solution, mm. really. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you can end up with your tender on the bow with a great big... With a big old crane. Big crane yeah. to take her off, which on a windy day is not a nice thing to do. Yeah. And then um, you can have your hydraulic platform at the back with a tender on it. Actually, I quite like that. And that's quite good. It's, it's kind of the best easy. solution. Yeah, actually. it's quite easy. Uh, unless you've got a garage and you can yeah, just winch it up the into the garage. is the ultimate. Yeah. It's just so cool. It keeps it keeps it out of the sun you yeah. know, when you're not using the boat. It keeps yeah. it out of the way. Um, you can throw your 
wakeboards and your paddle boards and all that sort of stuff on top of it in yeah. the garage and your skis. So that's yeah. all secure and out the way as well. Your inflatable sup that never actually gets in deflated. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you always see them actually tied onto the pulpit rails on both sides. Yeah, why not just deflate them? Actually, it's, it's just a pain to deflate. Eh? They are a pain to deflate. They make a funny noise. So we, you know, well, like when, you, when you start, to, yeah, yeah. So we're going to just keep running through this okay. one, I think. So the yeah, when you deflate your sup, everybody suddenly looks at like, oh, what's going, what's going on, what's that noise? What's oh, noise? they're deflating us up. We're okay. <laughs> But yeah, I love a garage. Yeah, so you know, forty-five feet garage and patio door, big win for us around the world, actually. Um, You know, from northern Europe to southern hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, So let's do the same on on a fifty-five foot, and and we should see that boat for schedule for Dusseldorf, twenty twenty-four. So eighteen months away. Amazing. There you go. That's really early me show and tell. That is. That is a big show and tell. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. So, Miles, what do you love most about working for Fairline and working in this industry? Uh, well, I can I can give you a range of uh, answers on that. Um, I'm not going to put them in any particular order. So, I think I would start by saying I feel really at home at Fairline. Um, at home as in part of the furniture. No, no, no not really. <laughs> and no, they do build it here. <laughs> true. Um, I, I feel really at home here. Uh, I know pretty much everybody in, in the business. They know me. Um, I've been doing this a while, so I've got it pretty down pat in terms of you know how things happen uh, and what it takes to, you know, what does it take to build a boat show in the south of France for the first week of September? Well, you know, I've done a dozen of those now. I kind of, and I know what it takes. So, so from that point of view, you know that that experience, that knowledge is, and and that sort of passion for the brand is really really important. So that's that's a big draw for yep. me. Yep. Uh, travel, although there's not been a lot of it over the last couple of years, and that's been tough for me because I love to travel. Yeah, I like nothing more than going down to Heathrow Airport and getting on a plane and going somewhere fantastic, because you know in normal life uh, you get to do that on holiday for a couple of weeks a year yep. i get to do it for a living I yeah mean, how cool is that yeah that's uh, cool. so i absolutely love that and i like the industry yep. because um I've, there are some sharks of course there are there are in any industry mm. but the majority of people that i interact with and, and count amongst my friends in the industry they're just great people yeah and you know you get on this uh boat show circuit uh, which takes you from you know South Florida to Sydney to Singapore to Europe, uh, and you just you know you're bumping into the same people, uh, seeing them in the in in the bars, in the restaurants, at the shows, um, and it's just you know it's it's like one big family. Yeah, uh, and I, I really enjoy that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. There are some really awesome people in this. Yeah, industry. some great characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, Miles, it has been amazing having you here on our podcast. I've really enjoyed your company. Is there anything you can leave us with to um, to help our audience understand why they should own a fair line above another brand? I think you need to 
you need to get on board. There's no, it's no good me telling you to visit the website, have a go on the configurator, you know, all of that sort of stuff. That's just marketing fluff. You need to get an opportunity to get on board a Fairline and see for yourself. So there was a small local British show on the south coast of England a couple of weeks ago. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, great. And it's uh, it's a very relaxed show, isn't it? Mm, There's not, yeah, not a lot of people there and it's yeah. very easy to get on and off the boats and what have you. I took the opportunity to get on board all my competitors' boats at that show and it really brought home to me the gap that we're now starting to see in terms of fit and finish and materials that Fairline are putting into their 50, 60 foot product and our competition are putting into their 60 foot product. And the, the Gulf, to my eyes, the Gulf was massive. Um, I hosted um, a guy who's first time at a show and I didn't have to point out the differences. He was seeing the differences for himself uh, in terms of the, the materials that people are using, you know, the, the lack of grain matching that brands are, you know, seems to have, you know, it's it's with us, but it's not with others. Um, and I think, you know, what I'd say to your audience is, you know, if you want to see what a premium motor yacht really looks like, jump on one from any of the brands, but then jump on a fair line and see the difference. Great advice. Always go to boat shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. the way to do it. It it's, is it's the, the way place to do it. To do it. it is the way to do it. Or, of course, get in contact with in Australia one brokerage. Yeah, Glenn, Evan, Chris—they're all there to to help. Um, they don't have many boats sort of lying around, um, but they've got a great customer base where they can access customers' boats to to show you around. Um, so they're Perth, Sydney. They've just opened up an office in Surfers. Uh, so yeah, give those guys a shout, um, and they'd be pleased to to help you. And they do actually have um, a few sh- a few share boats too, which um, do. opens up the ownership of Fairline to a broader audience. They do, primarily mm. out of uh, Sydney. Yes, uh, the share boats, um, yes. but a great way if you're a, if you're just dipping your toe in the water for the first time. What a fantastic opportunity that that share a share of a boat gives you. Absolutely, yeah. So thanks again, Miles. Hey, my great pleasure to meet you. I hope you do make it to Sydney Leaf Boat Show. That would be amazing to see you there. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. See our beautiful marinas. I'd like that. I'd like that. We'd go for a beer as well, eh? Oh, absolutely. Cool. Definitely. (laughs) Although I'm not drinking beer. I'm I'm drinking champagne. I'm a bit of a champagne girl, not a beer girl. Okay. Yeah. That's no problem. I can drink champagne. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. It's been lovely to have you here with us on the Boat Princess podcast. I hope you have an amazing weekend ahead of you. And we shall see you on the water soon. Well, it's been lovely to have you listen out there, folks. I really appreciate your ears. And um, if you'd like to get in contact, just follow me on Instagram at The Boat Princess and perhaps leave me a comment on today's picture of our podcast so that we can get an idea of what you thought about it. That'd be lovely. Take care and we'll see you on the water soon.